What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Can Be Christian Church podcast. This is an on Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement on a Monday and talk about what happened on Sunday. That's why we call it On Sunday. And I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. And we have, we're coming in hot. We've already been laughing and talking <laughs> crap about each other. We always do that. <laughs> <laughs> we should have been recording that whole time. It would have got wild. It would have been one of our most listened to episodes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> most shared. Oh, but yeah, Aaron, how you doing? You were finally back in the pulpit. How'd it feel? Mm. Were you rusty all that time off? You oh, know, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, two weeks is a long time. <laughs> that first week, I felt like no relief. You know, I guess the yeah. the illustration is like going on vacation. You know, you go away for two weeks. That first week, you're just trying to decompress. Yeah. And then the se- second week, you're actually like resting. So like when Cody, when you preached, I I didn't even feel like I rested. <laughs> I felt I felt like I had something that I was supposed to be doing. Right. All week long, you know. Yeah, checking and, on me to see if I finished the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so then this la- the week you preached, Rob, I f- actually felt like I was able to like relax, you know. Yeah. Um. But you know what? What was interesting was going from the genres of like Old mm. Testament history mm-hmm. to now, um, New Testament epistles talking about the church. Something that I've thought a lot about. Yeah. You know, I felt like I'm 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 a definitely a fish out of water in Exodus. More, yeah. More, more so, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. it's ancient literature, it's narrative, it's all of these different <clears throat> things, but I mean, I guess this is, it's not that it's easier, but it's easier, uh, yeah. walking through these more New Testament speed. episodes. Yeah. More, more topics that I'm familiar with. Um, <coughs> yeah. So yeah, I felt like it came to me a lot faster, mm-hmm. um, studying and you studied this in chicago no second timothy second timothy yeah so 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 it's not like i haven't studied timothy yeah before you spent some lengthy time in it last summer Mm -hmm. second timothy second timothy but similar obviously very similar things and we'll get to second timothy in a few weeks yeah well in august that's true and also you're gonna go back to chicago here yeah in july july yeah. So you're gonna be you're gonna take another break after this Sharpen two week your break. Tools. You'll take a yeah. month trying to make progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's the qualm that I have. Oh, I I knew Uh-oh. you were gonna call me out on this, and I'll I'll apologize. We were talking. I don't you, know. if you, you don't feel need, offended. You don't need what to is apologize. This? You don't need to. Apologize. I know what he's gonna say. He, feel, I, um, he feels offended. No, not at all. I I we were talking about our personalities, and I like. <laughs> Because I, my introduction last week was very much let's examine the personalities of the pastors and how, how uh, you know, they're different but complementary. Anyways, uh, this was what you said in your opening of your sermon. Which <laughs> oh, was like, which, which you have it, here's, first here, or second? Here's, you have it uh, down? I think it was the first. The first. I think it was your first service. You said it a little more harshly. Yeah, I like, cleaned it up a little bit in second is, service. One thing is sure. We got a lot to learn or something. He says something like, <laughs> we got a lot of growth or something. Uh, which was like, oh, thanks, Aaron. I think I more specifically mentioned you guys. Yeah, have room, you were like room to grow. Then I like wait. I mean, like we all have room to grow. <laughs> yeah, you were like, thanks, Cody and Rob, but we have a lot to learn, don't we, boys? It was. I didn't funny. take it that way. That's <laughs> funny though. Yeah, I, I, as I was saying it, I was like, this isn't coming across the way that <laughs> I like, thought it would be. <laughs> So yeah, I came across as like uh, I now that I'm back, I should probably explain 
about yeah, these, yeah. Other, these guys these are other, just, they're just learning you know these other two you heard <laughs> let me explain yeah. look look i know how bad it was the last two weeks but we're all improving right yeah <laughs> uh, and that's not the way honestly though the reference was really good you know that paul tells timothy let everyone see your progress right right and right. i think your word about like if your pastor or your leadership of your church is not growing then your church won't grow. Right. If they're stagnant, then your church will become stagnant. I think that's a really good encouragement. So I, I didn't actually take it that bad. I was sort of yeah. joking, but when I first heard no, it, my right. ears perked up and I was like, what does he, what does he mean? Yeah. Yeah, Cause I was supposed to mean, yeah. 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 it's, it's exactly how you took it. <laughs> you're like, Isn't that what you were just saying? R- Rob, uh, in the intro of his sermon said, sometimes he's misunderstood. Yeah. And Aaron said that his problem is he's always, Exactly understood. Understood exactly the way I meant it. <laughs> yeah. When I when I was uh, candidating, I I was 32 when I was candidating. Oh, a young and, whippersnapper. And a young, you know, young guy, and no no leadership experience in regard to like lead pastor stuff. And there were a lot of older folks here who were very concerned by that. <clears throat> and some someone asked me a question in a large meeting about it, and I I just said, I'm like, listen, I'm I'm not the pastor. I hope to be. I'm not the pastor that I want to be. Um, and I, but I am who I am, you know, and, and I want to keep, quote. I want to keep growing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and I think I said in that moment, like, I know when I'm done here, whenever that is, that I will have learned more and gained more from this church than you guys ever got from me. Yeah. And I think that that is true. Yeah. There definitely is a reciprocal thing happening where we're all collectively growing and learning um, and, you know, becoming more like Christ. Yep. Um, And I think that's evident in Timothy. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's really cool that we're going through it. For sure. Because these are letters that are somewhat unique in the New Testament. They're not necessarily general epistles, but they're directed at this church leader here in Ephesus. Um, Anyways, we didn't really talk about our weeks. Do we need to? Nobody cares about our weeks, right? I mean, we don't, yeah, we don't have to get deep. Anything exciting happening? Um, no. I mean, I'm not having any neck pain anymore. You dumped <laughs> off like a whole what? How many pounds of earth? Did yeah, you I'm building this retaining wall, and I moved ten thousand pounds of dirt. I mean, we've been following the saga of you change moving your wall yeah. for yeah. weeks now. I might as well let. So you're, dude, you're, it's what, something. Fifty percent done with your project, or? Uh, maybe, maybe even a little bit more. Um, I got, I still have to move the fence, um, which is something I'm putting off for a few weeks, but it's getting there. It's getting there. So I'm excited about it. But the goal is to have very little maintenance on my yard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing a lot of work on the front end so that I don't have to do any more gravel over there. Most gravel and yeah, totally like covering up all these areas. I said something to somebody on Sunday, like, I'm trying to win the war against the weeds. And and they're <laughs> like, luck. you live in the you Northwest. Won't. I'm like, I will win against these weeds for the most part. You're going to dig it up and buy new sod? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> That's gonna... how you win. Oh, you know, oh, that's what and it was. And then you only win for like one, one summer. It, uh, <laughs> it was my neighbor, Mary, was tell, talking to me about this. She lives right behind me. And she goes, Aaron, my husband and I, Mike, we have a new nickname for you. And I'm like, oh no. And she's like, <laughs> You're the pyro pastor. Ah. <laughs> because I have one of those 
weed oh, torches. We, we know all about it. Yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. about it last week. Yeah, oh, burn dude, stuff. I was lighting these but, weeds up, dude. And it's <laughs> it's loud. It's like, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, so yeah. you could hear it. And I'm like, <clears throat> oh man, I hope I'm not smoking your house out. You know, I mean, it's just. But didn't you start another fire after we talked about the fire you started last week? I think on the I podcast did, yeah. you started I, another like, one. Afterwards. It was like two days in a row. I lit my garden beds on fire. Oh my so. god! <laughs> you know what the torch like? You like you don't have to actually like burn the weed to a crisp. No, like yeah, you once do. no once the <laughs> once the flame passes over it, like it kills it. It kills it, right? right and then right. you just move on. Like yeah, it'll, but, but it'll I mean, still look green for a minute, and then it'll like die over the next couple of days. I know, but, but if you, you could torch just it, you it, could it just sit there and burn it down to the nub. That's true. <laughs> it takes a long That's time. A good point. I did that with your torch, Cody, and I couldn't. Like to get it down to ashes. Oh, I know. Yeah. You must be out there for a while. Yeah. Well, you don't have to though. Like they'll die <coughs> after you just got them hot. I think you yeah. just like burning stuff. You are the pyro pastor. What I, I, love what I did was I sprayed the weed killer and then let it die for a few days. So then it was just all oh. yellow and dead. And then I just went. Oh. There so you're you're it, torching dude. weeds that are already dead. Yes. <laughs> Which why, basically why? because means... I don't want to rake them up. I don't want to deal with. I'm like I'm not raking these up. I'm gonna. Dude, that makes it like so much better. Ash, that is yeah. so funny. <laughs> I mean, that's just like kindling at that point. You're just burning kindling. Oh man, it was funny. Anyway, <laughs> my my week is was cool. I do want to give a shout out though mm-hmm. to um, a young man named Encore nice. who was here last summer. Oh yeah, do you remember did Encore? Re- yeah, did he reach out to you? I reached out to him because okay, I was like, okay. dude, I haven't heard from him. He told me last summer, so. Quick story. He's from um, India. Mm-hmm. Went to school in San Diego, getting his degree in some technology field. Got a job offer up here in I want to say Wilsonville, Wilsonville area. Yeah, working for like Intel or someone like that. I don't know exactly. So that was last summer. He had an internship, and then it now turned into a, his job. So he had to go and finish his thing in San Diego. He's gonna come back up this week, next week, sometime soon. He should be cool. Done. So I hit him up. And uh, we talked for a little bit and he's doing good and he's excited to come back up here to the Northwest. Wow, and he wants that's amazing. to continue to come to our church and he's hoping to become a member at some point. So he's that's still, awesome. yeah, I, I just wanted to reach out to him, give him a shout out because he said explicitly, I've been listening to the podcast uh, every week. It like helps him stay connected a little bit because wow, you know, he's a part so of a cool. church in San Diego, but he, um, uh, and that church actually referred that, uh, him to us. Yeah. So I that's remember that got connected. Um, but he's been listening, so he's been like kind of connected from afar, and he's going to be back. So he'll be around uh, sometime in the next few weeks. That's oh, awesome. praise Look the Lord! Encore. See you soon. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> Cody, how's your week? Is good. I'll do good. We, uh, I mean, we're we're done with youth group. We had our our oh, like right. last like uh, parent barbecue thing, which mm-hmm. is always fun to get the parents out and give them the summer schedule and stuff. So we're transitioning to that mission <clears throat> trip, junior high camp, high school camp. Summer events That's kind right. of schedule. Mission trip so. is next week. Uh the week after. Week after. Yeah, the twenty third. We leave on the twenty third. Hmm. Oh boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the end of the next week. Um, but yeah, so that's always good. It opens up my schedule a little bit to get some of the projects that I can't get done <clears> when the, when this busy school season's happening. So yeah, very cool. It feels good. Very cool. So let's uh, let's make that transition. Then the gospel is for all. That's the sermon we had this past mm-hmm. week. We're First Timothy, uh, just the first seven verses of chapter two. 
The main idea being, I think we already mentioned it, a healthy church prays for all kinds of people because the gospel is for everyone. Mm-hmm. The gospel is for everyone. <clears throat> so there we go. So Can we uh, read it? <coughs> yeah, go ahead. Read Can it. Read Since it, it's a short section, do it, Rob. <clears throat> we rarely read the text we're talking about. And because I feel we like always have long sections. That's we've been in I Exodus that we had like six <laughs> chapters at a time. <laughs> but now that we're in Timothy, we can actually yeah, read it. Yeah, let's do it. That's awesome. Here, here's the text we're going to be talking about today. It says this. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I love that little parenthesis. I know. I, you didn't talk about it. Maybe we'll get there, but it was yeah. kind of funny. Anyways, that's the first seven verses of chapter two <clears throat> of First Timothy. Obviously, some very iconic verses for sure in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we can maybe open by talking about <clears throat> you kind of even zoomed out a little bit and gave us some more context for the city of Ephesus. Mm-hmm. You talked about the temple of, um, oh my gosh, Diana and well in the Roman. And then what is it's Artemis, Artemis, Artemis Diana to the, to the Greeks. slash Artemis, right? This female deity of fertility, uh, fertility, which I think is really an important element when you're talking about, you know, the dynamic happening in, in the Ephesian church. And then some of those kinds of things, but why? So that I thought that was pretty helpful. Again, we talked a little bit about this. Cody talked a little bit about it. And so we've been talking a bit about it, but obviously you had a reason to talk about it because the plurality of views and religious perspectives and maybe even political mm-hmm. you know, perspectives in the city is uh, diverse. There are diverse groups of people, um, but they definitely function differently than our current society. So I guess you, you said they have a lot of similarity to us mm-hmm. and some differences. Maybe we'll talk about how are they similar to our culture? <clears throat> how are they different? And why does it matter as we're studying this book? I mean, so are you asking me why did I mention it? Yeah, why did you mention it? Yeah, like I guess that's the question. Why is it important? I think, well, like in the Simeon Trust stuff, mm-hmm. like I remember David Helm, Simeon Trust being the ministry that talks about expositional preaching. And one of the things is context, considering the context, the historical, mm-hmm. cultural context, right? Like what is the, in, in our, in this letter, Historical and cultural would basically be the same thing um, of the people to whom the letter was first written or written to or about. And and he's he has this phrase context, at least that that kind of context, cultural, historical context is your easiest path toward relevance. Mm. And and I think. In your when you're drawing applications, when you look at this, what what is he writing to them then? In their cultural moment, that that same point that he's making to them then in their cultural context is the same point that he's making in our cultural context as well. So kind of understanding what those things are and the relatedness of them is an easy path toward relevance. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that that was why I brought it up was because obviously <laughs> it makes it 
it makes the text relevant. I mean, and and praying for those in authority and and uh, government and the desire among Christians to lead tranquil and quiet lives. I mean, dude, just leave me alone. You know, I mean, this is like very relevant to us, um, especially over the last few years, people desiring these kinds of things. Um, but then how he sort of turns it on these Christians, how it's like, hey, you know, we all want to live tranquil and quiet lives. However, like God also wants to save these people. Yeah. And and he wants to use you to do that. And so revolting isn't going to do that. Retreating isn't going to do that. But praying probably will. And maybe, as Paul says at the end, preaching <laughs> yeah. will ultimately, you know, that's what he said. I'm a preacher to the <clears throat> Gentiles, to the nations, to all these people you're praying for, whether it's he, he's in prison or whether he's standing before Caesar himself, he's going to be proclaiming the gospel. Yeah. And, and I think that's sort of where this is all coming from, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, which you brought out throughout your <coughs> sermon. There is a diversity of religious thought, it seems, right? There's, you talked about the Gnostics a little bit, uh-huh. how there's a group of, you know, these sort of different groups of people that are all trying to get along in Ephesus. <clears throat> um, so I think that's definitely true in our culture. There's, we live in, you brought up this term, pluralistic Society, a society where there's a plurality of worldviews mm-hmm. that are at play. And, um, but you, you kind of said something along the lines of like pluralism is the idea that they're all sort of equally good. Yeah. And they're all equally uh, admirable and equally lead to heaven in some sense. Sure. People, yeah. people who have a very, I don't know, maybe progressive view of religions, maybe would say that or something like that. Um, but I've I've also heard pluralism just be like allowing equal place for all worldviews so that the truth will eventually win out. You know, yeah. like the truth of the gospel uh, could in the, in the quote unquote marketplace of ideas in that sense, right? Um, would have an equal opportunity to persuade people of different worldviews, right? Uh, but anyways, I think that's definitely true <laughs> in our current society. Is you know. And, um, and that's, that's kind of some dynamic in Ephesus, uh-huh. but uh, maybe a difference in, in, in the Ephesian church is that not all of them or probably many of them were not citizens of, of, they weren't Roman citizens. They uh-huh. were probably Jewish people who were second class and not really able to get involved in the political system. Is that, am I right in saying that? Well, I mean, they were in a kingdom, right? So they're right. not, they were like, under the Caesar, the Roman Caesar. Right. It's not like, as you were saying earlier before the podcast started, they're not in a democratic republic. Right. Like we are. <coughs> where they had like an actual voice yeah. in an electoral process. Yeah. Um, where these people are uh, citizens or uh, servants, public servants, right? Yeah. These people are kings. <laughs> you know, everybody else is servants to them and they're not servants to the masses, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's obviously the American experiment is massively different than what they're dealing with right um in their day and age so that that is a massive difference and you know we we talk in our worldview in america is very much like we have a voice and, and people exercise that voice mm-hmm. but in their day and age you exercise a voice against a king and you could be executed right i mean that's just the way that works yeah 
And so, and I think in one sense, that's why Paul is saying what he's saying. Like, dude, how about you not get yourself unnecessarily killed? Right. (laughs) Totally. And instead of like going against the king, why don't you pray for him? And maybe that might actually work out for you and for him in the end. Uh, Yeah. Where for us in America, if you don't like the president, you just talk all the crap you want on him. (laughs) You know, I mean, you just... You seriously, like, I mean, you just rip them apart. I mean, you just make fun of their hair. I mean, you do whatever you want to do to to the president because they're just nothing to you. You know what I mean? There's no consequence of that sort of disparaging behavior. And you're saying that's generally a negative thing. Oh, I mean, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Like on, on the, on a good side, it's, it's good to be, have some criticism right? Mm-hmm. Have some public criticism. That's why we have a free press here in the United States. On the negative side, when that free speech becomes like a tool for evil, uh, you know, that's that's where it's not good. Yeah. I mean, that's where we're at today, for sure. Well, we should be civil. We should be like critical, but civil. For sure. And not like demeaning and and that kind of thing. I thought that's that was a really good point. Yeah. So it is different. In our current situation, we, unlike most of the people that Paul's writing to, uh, we have a little bit of power politically. Um, anyway, so I think, yeah, that's kind of an interesting. And thing. yet, and yet, I mean, we don't, you know, yeah. it's like, what, what good does it do to just sit there and make fun of somebody? It doesn't, it's not going to change no, anything. No. No. Well, but yeah, I think the, yeah, the, so the cultural similarity is like, we don't need to dominate our culture. We need to be a faithful presence within our culture but like obviously the glaring difference in our culture is we as a culture at least on some surface level are saying we want the opinions of all the people in our nation to be shared with us you know mm. so if you're like to cast a vote like caesar was not saying what do christians think mm. give me your opinions give me your your vote, give me, you know what I mean? So in a culture where we vote, like there is a, like that is a a radically different culture when like our nation is saying all people need to have a say in what's happening, Uh you know? uh So that's like kind of the big difference, but it's still not by revolt, (laughs) you know, it's not by, you know, like force um, and it's not by hiding and retreating, like you said. Right. Uh, but there is kind of a significant difference culturally there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, you're right. The truth is, especially depending on where you are and the, um, like if you're in the minority, politically speaking, mm-hmm. which in Oregon we are yeah, mm-hmm. generally, uh, you know what I mean? It, <coughs> the, the people in power, you know, generally have a different worldview right? for the most part. So it's like, in that sense, we're mm-hmm. not that different like that's true i mean we can still continue to persuade and and you know encourage people to vote a certain way and that kind of thing so we do have some ability to um you know make changes right but we're supposed to yeah like we're supposed to try we yeah we we and the majority is supposed to win out but you said something there was three things supplications prayers um what does he say uh intercessions and and then thanksgivings so we ought to be saying thank you lord for governor tina kotek that's <laughs> yeah. a prayer we should like you'd laugh yeah. and it's true it's, it's kind of laughable but sh- we should say that prayer for sure right is that what that mm-hmm. means i mean thank you that i'm not in that role <laughs> like, you know what i'm saying i mean i don't envy anyone in that position 
Like, yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's why like, and I'm not saying anything about Tina Cote. I don't even know her. (laughs) Um, I I actually don't know her at all. Um, Like, I've never like paid attention to her policies. Like, I don't know anything about her. (laughs) She hasn't really had that much time to do that much stuff yet. Right, right, right. But well, my, she's been in government and state government for a long time. For a long time, yeah. And I, I, I guess my point is, is like there. And I would say this about most politicians: like, is there not anyone better? <laughs> like, is there not anyone more qualified, like out there, you know, to yeah. do these jobs? And I think a lot of people are saying that, you know, like not that these people are more qualified than I am. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I could do a better job. I'm just saying, is there not someone else like that has more leadership experience, more knowledge on something? Like I don't know. I that's just kind of like doesn't have a personal agenda, but is actually there to serve the the greater public. You know what I mean? Like and create safety and these kinds of things, like the stuff government is supposed to be doing, but. Yeah, that I don't know where yeah. I was going with this. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I got for, lost for sure. There will never be anyone without some sort of personal agenda, yeah, some yeah, personal yeah, viewpoint. Yeah. But it does feel like our political system is broken enough that the person any of us want to be in those positions will never be in those positions. No, the very fact that someone was able to be elected to a position. <laughs> is probably because they do a bunch of stuff we don't like. Like for it feels sure. that's a little bit conspiracy theory, but that's yeah. how I that's how I felt about that's it for a cynical a, view. That's a cynical view. That's how I've felt about it for a long time. I mean time, in Oregon politics it's hard not to have yeah. that view, you know? Right. The very fact that you've been able to be successful as a politician makes me wonder like if I actually want you to be my politician. For sure. <laughs> but yeah. that is me being cynical. But, but in in either way the case is still clear and you mentioned this like god ordains for people to find those positions and like that's something we it's one of those like hard things in the bible yeah why would he um it's the same as any like a person dying too young or Mm. having a weird disease or you know where you go why like why would that be allowed to happen and we just have to pray and trust Mm-hmm. and yeah. continue to do, like you said, if they can do their jobs well enough, as a church, we can do our job better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you use that from that Jeremiah passage, like the better governed a society is, the better we can function as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, so we pray for those people and hope for the best for them. And yep. yeah. Well, I actually wanted to mention it, but isn't this, um, wasn't this Augustine's book, City of God? Uh, City of Man, City of God. But he wrote this book, City of God, and this was when Rome fell. So, you know, a few centuries after the death of Christ, Rome fell, and everybody wanted to blame the Christians because the Christians weren't worshiping the gods within the pantheon Mm. of Rome. And so they were like, these people are the problem. They're, They're the reason why this happened. And Augustine, who had become a Christian, wrote this uh, insanely winsome apologetic as to why that cannot be true, because Christians, he argued, are your greatest citizens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't, they're moral, you know, they don't rob, they don't steal, they don't murder, they don't... uh, they are a bit, they built have businesses and they do business ethically. Like he, and he's just argued all of these things 
and essentially said like it's it's because of your moral corruption and and our failure basically mm-hmm. it's not these people they're they're your greatest citizens and um anyway i think that that's sort of part of the argument augustine's getting some of that argument some of here from what from his own observation but also from something that paul is saying here to timothy and and these ephesian believers of be the best citizens and how you do that is not by revolting. Mm. Uh, you're not going to win that. You can actually pray to the higher authority mm. who has authority over these people. I mean, that's like the book of Daniel is such a great uh, picture of that reality. Here's like the, the most powerful men, Nebuchadnezzar, Cyrus, Babylon, Persia, and they're just conquering. And yet God is like, they're, they're, they, he makes them like dogs, you know, just they're, they're nobody yeah. in comparison to the power that God had. And, and Daniel had that relationship with God where really Daniel was far more powerful, influential than these men were. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's kind of the story is through prayer, we have that power, not through politics, not through policy, not through culture even, but through prayer and through the authority that God brings and his sovereign rule. I mean, Daniel definitely exemplified that. For sure. Yeah. That's a good point. That's yeah. an interesting idea, yeah. Anyway, so, um, I mean, that that's kind of the, the, the Daniel in the lion's den situation, all that stuff. But, I mean, what led him into that was the fact that he went up and he prayed he ref- three yeah. times a day, just as he has always done. Mm-hmm. And he got thrown in jail or thrown in the lion's den because of it. Hmm. But... I'm sure he was probably praying for the king, praying for other people, you know, like he had always done. And God was going to be glorified in the midst of that situation, and he was. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I just think the application that was pretty clear was, I think we need to do a better job of not um, complaining or talking and, you know, to each other in, in such a harmful way. Yeah. Like, these people who serve in government are screwed up and they're, they're, they're screwed up in the same ways or similar ways that, that were screwed up <laughs> like that. And I was trying to like level that out. They're the image of God. Yeah. Like that's a human being made in the image of God. And they're also great sinners just like you. And so they need salvation and they have the ability to have salvation just like you mm-hmm. because they're made in the image of God, just like you. And so, and that's where the all comes in, right? And, uh, yeah. So his first step, first of all, his first urging, first of all, is to pray. Right. That's not always our first reaction. <laughs> right. Right. When we're dealing with issues like this that are frustrating to us. Right. Why, why do you think that is? Why? Because we're not spiritual as, as, as much as we think we, or as much as we wish we could be. We're the Romans seven, you know, <clears throat> Paul guy, like the thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing that I don't want to do, I end up doing, yeah. woe is me. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Of course, I don't want to get into this because Rob's going to disagree <laughs> and think that we're not Christians, but, um, <laughs> stop. <laughs> but, the, but that's still the point. We, right? yeah, we need to get more sanctified. Yeah. yeah, and we need to recognize the importance of prayer. Every Sunday morning, we oh, quick plug. If you want to join us for prayer every Sunday morning, bright and early, eight a.m., we pray for our church, and we will always pray for the government, for mm-hmm, our city officials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something that we 
that I always make a point to pray for, specifically mm-hmm. because this text, yeah. like Paul tells us to do that. So we ought to be doing that. And so that's one of the things we pray for as a church. And there's a few of us that gather to do that. But well, anyways. I think on that question, though, why we don't <coughs> turn to prayer. One, I think we react with emotion first mm. a lot of times. And I think some of that is as we're talking about the similarities of the culture in Ephesus to our culture, you mentioned, uh, you said we have multiple tribes. <laughs> Yeah. And there are political parties, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how we've tribed up <laughs> as a society. And so I think sometimes we we don't react to the things that are happening with prayer because our gut instinct is to react with anger or frustration or even fear that like my group, my existence is threatened mm-hmm. right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, which still, even if that were exactly true, hopefully we would still react with prayer. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's um, the, one of the best ways to overcome that sinful tendency. God says, yeah. calm down. <laughs> like I'm still in control. That's like what prayer I think helps us do. In a lot of ways, yeah. God is changing our minds and our hearts to you reflect on, Hey, you know, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like all these things help us to, refocus our frustrations and get them aligned I think, yeah. with God. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And then that Thanksgiving <clears throat> part too, like mm. it, uh, the Thanksgiving part reminds us that like, we're not two different tribes at war. Like we, we have government officials that make a lot of stuff better. Mm. Do is this one have a lot of big things that I disagree with? Okay. But am I glad there's public transportation? <laughs> like, am I glad like, people have some measure of like safety around their jobs or whatever, like, you know, whatever, like there's like food uh, regulations. Yeah. There's like, yeah, I'm glad I'm not getting food poisoning every time I go to the grocery store because (laughs) there's some stuff like, you know, like there's rules and laws that are very, very helpful. And we focus on the thing that makes that person different from what my tribe does Mm. um, versus like how many things we have to be thankful for because there's a government that does a lot of stuff that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely what that Thanksgiving prayer helps us do. See the good that someone who we disagree with a lot is, you know, is doing. And then also intercession, like we're praying on on their behalf that ultimately, like he gets to in this passage, that they would come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus is, mm-hmm. and that would help them reshape their policies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um but but anyways, yeah, there's a lot that yeah. can be said about that. I think, too, like, it, remi- <clears throat> it reminds us that, you know, as you said, they're made in the image of God. Like, we love them. Mm-hmm. And because of, like, the nature of kind of political theater, like, we see all these people more as just characters in some thing that's playing out. And so it feels, you know, you can you can hate, I don't know. Like I don't know, well, I don't Some know. I was trying to think of, a, I was trying to think of a TV show. I don't know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like <laughs> popped into my head, and I literally like have never watched it and don't know any characters. But you, can, it's okay to hate like whatever thing, like I guess a vampire, evil vampire. That thing. It's okay to hate the vampire that Buffy has to kill or whatever. I don't know the show at all. I don't know why that's demons. The thing There's demons that in that. It's okay to hate that. You know, it's not okay to hate like the person on the other side of the aisle of your political party. Like we love that person Mm -hmm. and we love, you know, them because God loves them. Um, But since they feel like just random characters (laughs) and, you know, with, because Paul politics has become so much about entertainment. Mm. um, It feels like it's okay to just hate them. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, bringing it back to prayer and focusing on like who they are, what they've done, how God sees them. Super, super important. Well, I I think that, 
those two words that I mentioned here that I think in an in a direct and somewhat indirect way, Paul is addressing, I mean, in one broad brushstroke in these seven verses, is to combat pluralism and universalism. But another one is Gnosticism, mm-hmm. right? This this idea that I have special knowledge and that therefore I am saved and everybody else is sort of in the dark and it's like they can't even get it. Mm -hmm. It's this weird sort of thing. And I think that like some, some quote unquote Christians act like modern day Gnostics where they sort of are like, okay, you're in the light, but don't act like you're smarter than mm-hmm. someone else. Like you're only in the light because God showed you grace. Right. Like it, you didn't become a Christian because you're smarter than <clears throat> the next person. Like that has to be like immediately admitted. Um, yeah. Like and he Paul, says, come to a knowledge mm-hmm. of the truth, mm-hmm. but the truth, but the knowledge of the truth is available to all, not just smart people, not just people with, ha- with an IQ at a certain level. In fact, some people with the highest IQs, are the ones who are the hardest to reach, right? I mean, it's not about intelligence or intellectual capacity one way or the other, right? That knowledge is available to all because it's by grace. Mm-hmm. Through faith, not, not race, not intelligence, not race, not social class, blah, blah, blah. And so he's leveling all of that. He's, he's hitting the Gnostic here that would certainly have been present in Ephesus. Um, this, this, uh, philosophical religious movement known as Gnosticism. It also would have hit the Jews who thought, well, I have this special revelation Mm -hmm. and because of the blood that flows in me, I am saved. And all these Gentiles are not because I'm a Jew. I'm a child of Abraham. He's hitting that person too. And saying, no, it's for all. Cause remember with that promise that came to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that I can bless the nations. Um, So he's, I mean, just in this amazing quick stroke, he's hitting all these people. And he's also saying in a pluralistic society, which accepted, as you were saying earlier, Rob, the religious perspectives of all people groups that sort of lived there. This was one of the ways they kept the Pax Romana, Mm. the the Roman, Roman Roman peace. Yeah. And was, not by getting everybody to believe in in one religion, the Roman religion, but in getting, but in accepting everybody's personal religion, and and by doing so, everybody just sort of lived with everybody's views and just said, okay, that's your truth and this is my truth. That's just kind of how they did it. Now, ultimately, it was part of their undermining too, mm-hmm. um, but that was the way they accomplished at least a season of Roman peace, um, Pax Romana. But, but yet Paul comes in here and says, but we believe at the end of the day, there's one God. <laughs> Even if they're accepting all these different views, there's really only one truth. Mm-hmm. And there's only one way to, to him. And it's through his son who gave his life as a ransom for many. Because none of your other religions are offering that story. Right. And that sort of grace, that faith that is available to all you guys are limiting it to your particular race or your particular language or culture or whatever it is. And it, it's just an insane how he does all of this in just a few, few words. Yeah. Um, but I think when you consider that context, 
then it, all of a sudden it starts coming a little bit more to life, you know? Yeah. Um, what I was going to say this and we can go back to the other stuff, but it's really easy to like grab onto one verse here or one idea and just sort of run with it and make a topical out of it. Um, like, like the one God, one mediator and, and just do like a, I don't know, a theological sermon on like the deity of Christ. He's the God man. And then mm. you just go off on Jesus being the God man, but like, okay, but what does that have to do with this text? And, or the prayers, right. Or even living a tranquil and quiet life or what does it mean to live a life that please get, pleases God or whatever? So <laughs> I think there's a lot of things going on in here, but what's the relationship between all of them together? That was kind of what I was trying to like make clear in, in the sermon was like, this is what he wants you to do. Pray. This is who he wants you to pray for. And these are the reasons why the mm-hmm. four reasons that he gives. I, I mean, once I, once I saw that structure, the whole like sermon just became really easy. Um, yeah, yeah. To just sort of write out, you know, like here's here's my argument. Here's what I want you to do, and here's my argument for why I want you to do that. And 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 when you look at that, it's kind of hard to disagree if you're a Christian um, with with that sort of logical argument. Yeah, yeah. So pray. Who do we pray for? Everyone, all, literally. And we talk specifically about kings because he mentioned government officials or kings in this passage, but also it it includes our neighbors. You know, people who disagree with us who are in our sure. own community. It's mm-hmm. not. <coughs> well, let's just say it. All let's just people. say it. That stinking neighbor that screams at you over their fence all the time for not my neighbor right behind me, Mary. She's wonderful. <laughs> but, She's always know, like pyro bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think her uh, her uh, nickname was endearing. Um, <laughs> sure. Not not a uh, condemning. A little dangerous. But. <laughs> but um. No, like, I mean, everybody usually has that one neighbor or that one person at work that's like, oh my gosh, they are just under my skin all the time or a boss or whatever it is. I know how that feels. Who is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, not at our job, of course. Um, <laughs> so the Lord is kind enough to send us somebody to, you know, get <clears throat> under our skin. <laughs> uh, but... My point is, is we should not be, you know, uh, our, our solutions are not uh, resolved when, <clears throat> when they go away. You know, yeah. we just need to pray for these people Yep, and they can be a gracious tool. And the reason lives, you know? for prayer, you gave us four, there, there may be more, but let's look at your four. You started by saying, we pray that we may lead quiet lives. That's pretty clear. That's how he opens the, what is it? End of verse two that we may lead peaceful and quiet lives or life godly mm-hmm. and dignified in every way. Um, and then you also brought up that Jeremiah 29 reference, which mm-hmm. we talked about last week on the podcast, Yeah, um, which I thought was really helpful, like almost a parallel in a sure. lot of ways to what Paul is saying. It's like Jeremiah the Bible said. is a consistent theme. <clears throat> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've noticed that a couple of times. It's like the Bible is just one flowing thought. You know, one ethic, one truth. <laughs> yeah, and Jeremiah talking to the people of Israel are even in a rougher position th- than these people in F- Ephesians, just as we are in a better position. Than, you know what I mean? It's like they were literally dragged out of their land by this invading force and brought into captivity in in Babylon, and they were allowed to live, you know what I mean? Because they wanted to keep peace. Homes they, destroyed, families <clears throat> separated, lives lost. Yeah. <laughs> 
and yeah. he said, and, and God tells the people, Hey, build a, you know, make vineyards, have kids, pray to the, pray to the Lord on the, the welfare, the welfare of the city and, and seek its welfare so that you can find your welfare. Yeah. 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 I thought that was a really cool. And you gave three options. You, we should not retreat. We've already talked about this retreat from the world and make our own little, you know, communes and bubbles. Mm-hmm. That's not what he told them to do. Don't revolt. Don't try to fight back at this point. You know what I mean? Um, which is the same for us. And then the last you said, respond in prayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was not another RE <laughs> retreat, revolt, r- respond, respond in prayer, <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. Yeah. Um, Fight or flight or that was the first one. I think we talked a lot about that. Faith. Any additional thoughts there? I mean, yeah, that Jeremiah text is just so helpful. I think like specifically if you're like um, a younger person with kids, you know, mm-hmm. then it's like, man, I need to just shelter in place here, you know? Yeah. And I think that, or the narratives that you often hear, I don't want to bring a, I saw this headline recently. It was like, don't bring children into this AI world. <laughs> I'm like, what? <clears throat> so like, because of, you know, artificial intelligence don't have babies anymore. Like this is the dumbest logic I've, I've heard, you know, but people say those kinds of things <clears throat> like, man, I don't know if I want to bring a, a child into this world. that's just going off the, and I, I mean, obviously I get that sentiment, but that's not the solution. No, to the I mean, that's directly you know? against the will of God. God wants sure. us to be fruitful if, if at all yeah. possible. And also it's like really dangerous for our society. Like we're in a place right now where if we're not reproducing, like we're, I think we're under or just at replacement rate in America. Yeah. And there's some countries that are in really <clears throat> bad shape. Yeah. Like yeah. China and other, anyways, that's a whole different topic, but, but you're right. But the retreat, so it's, it's going back to this question of purpose. Like, mm. so why are you here? What does the Lord have you here for? And I understand that there are some people in some situations where it's like, this, this has become unlivable and I have an option to go over here. Like sometimes the Lord creates uh, an environment that's so inhospitable that he's trying to drive you out of there. I mean, that's what he did with the Israelites in Egypt. But some people, they need to endure and persevere in that, like there's hardship because the enemy wants them to get them out, but the Lord wants them to stay as, because if they all leave now, now who's going to be the light in this dark place. And I think f- certainly for the church in Ephesus, that's what Paul is mm-hmm. encouraging them. Like, dude, you guys need to stay there and you need to continue to be the light. Cause if you're gone, I mean, this is, this is really where you're going to hear that kind of language in second Timothy. Um, cause he's like, I'm my, my mission's over. Like I'm about to be with Jesus, Timothy, this is on you. You got to continue this cause you're it. And, and if this, if you don't pick it up, then who's going to. And I think as Christians, we have that responsibility to continue to be the light and the salt of the earth where the Lord has called us into dark places. And I don't think the Lord is willing, not only that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But I think that the Lord is not willing to give up any territory to the enemy. Um, I think Jesus's uh, move over the, over the sea of Galilee to the demoniac is sort of showing that it's a Gentile area. They're farming pigs. There's the demoniac there. I mean, this is just dark, 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 dark. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going over there. 
I'm going to, I'm going to pull this guy out of this dark place. And then, and then he leaves that guy there because he as a missionary, because he's Mm going to be a better witness than anybody else. Cause everybody knew who that guy was. And there he was sitting upright in his right mind Mm. and he can continue to passionately preach the gospel. And so the Lord left him there. Like he didn't pull him, pull him out of that dark spot. He left him there to be a light. And I think that the Lord does the same thing with us today, you know, like we need to remain, persevere, endure. Yeah. There is like revolting would be like a negative response, but there is an action. I mean, obviously it begins with prayer, but then it does move into action evangelism. Like you're, that's what you're talking about. And I think we could get involved in the process, thankfully, because of the system that we live in where we can do a little bit beyond that. But our first step should always be prayer. Um, <clears throat> definitely not retreat or revolt. Uh, but anyways, yeah, that was your first reason. And then it continues. Um, this kind of prayer pleases God. That's kind yeah. of an interesting note in here. Like it says, it is pleasing in the sight of God, this this, this praying. Yeah. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God. That was kind of an interesting yeah. note that you made. Well, your argument too for why this kind of prayer pleases God is from verse four, right? He desires all people to be saved, come to Mm -hmm. the knowledge of the truth, uh, which kind of leaves us with two questions because you uh, made that say all kinds of people. Yeah. Um, So the two questions are (laughs) one, do you regularly add extra words to the Bible? (laughs) Is that your common practice? (laughs) And two, uh, why, why did we phrase it that way? And especially in regards to this sounds like universalism, sure. like God wants all people to be saved and God does what he wants. So they're all saved. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the question again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so no, I don't regularly add words to the Bible. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot. I snuck that question the, uh, first. <laughs> the, uh, so as, as just as an example, right. When he says like the word you, Right. We can yeah. read that word and it sounds like, oh, he's talking to me, you, an individual you, but the word is actually plural. So we could put in there, you all, right? Mm. The context, the maybe a better translation that would be helpful to the reader would be, you all ought to do these things, right? Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be inappropriate to add the word all because the original Greek l- word there would be a plural word. Yeah. Um, you could just say you or y'all or yeah. whatever. And it might actually be more appropriate because it could be an instruction that's specifically to all the people of the church that doesn't even really apply to an individual, to an individual outside right. of the church. So at times it's more appropriate. <laughs> and I'm using that as an example to say that context helps us understand what that word means, whatever, whatever word we're talking about. Yeah. So when this word all... In the Greek, panta. Um, what what does it mean in its context? Does it mean literally all people? Like in one sense, yes, <laughs> he desires yeah. all to be saved. When you connect it with the that verse in Peter, what is it? First, Second uh, Peter three or First Peter three or something like that. Uh, he he is slow to uh, fulfill his promises. Um, because he's not willing that any should perish. He's not wishing that any would perish. It's not in his nature to desire anyone to go to hell. 
um, <laughs> but is long suffering in order that people might come to faith and repentance. So it's it's about the heart of God, and yet we can't slip into this false thing of, of you know, it's like. Now, I know what you said, but this is what I heard you say. <laughs> are you saying, God, that all people are going to end up going to heaven? No, that's not what I'm saying, because <clears throat> not all are going to believe in me. I mean, he literally says that in the chapter that you were talking about mm. in chapter one, um, when he's talking about these false teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're basically condemning themselves. Mm-hmm. And so... I mean, just in the context of the letter, there's people who are false, people who are lost, yeah. people that are promoting darkness and heresy and all these things and leading people astray and they're blaspheming and all this stuff, right? So clearly mm-hmm. not all are going to be saved. Um, <clears throat> and yet he desires all to be saved. And so it's more or less pulling out from the Christian who is or isn't praying are you going to model the heart of God who desires all people to be saved? Do you desire all kinds of people to be saved? Mm-hmm. The other part of the context too, is the fact that he specifically mentions Kings and all who are in authority, which would be sort of a conversation about like social classes. Hmm. So yeah, the, do pagans. we believe, do we, and pagans, yeah. People who have different worldviews that yep. are directly opposed to the Christian worldview. Right. Yeah. Like, do we believe, do we believe that God wants people of different colors, <laughs> different cultures, um, different life experiences, different levels of sin, um, family backgrounds, and different levels of the socioeconomic ladder to be saved? Like yeah. we would, we would say yes. Hopefully, because I'm, I'm white, and it started with Middle Eastern people. <laughs> so hopefully God wants multiple races. and <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> I mean, and yet, like, it, this is a, an extreme example. I was watching this interview. It was an old interview of a guy. He was interviewing a KKK. Um, what are they called? They're like, when they're way up. Wizards. Wiz- yeah, wizards. wizards, yeah. Which <laughs> is <was> ridiculous. <laughs> that's <laughs> very appropriate. It is awesome. <laughs> he's like, wearing, this guy's wearing his a cone, grand wizard a grand something. wizard yeah, he's like, wearing oh, his, you made yourself sound so silly and you deserve it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I mean this guy literally said in there that basically salvation is for white people only yeah and uh, and man he he referenced a passage of scripture and I was like well that's one way to read that you know like that is crazy how you would interpret that to lean toward your particular persuasion of theology, which is heresy, basically. Mm-hmm. But my my point is, is that guy didn't believe that salvation was for people who were not white. Mm. Um, I mean, Mormons taught that black people weren't to be saved. Obviously, Mormon, Mormons are, are, are a cult. But I'm just using that ex- as an example. They used to. I don't. They don't, uh, do they don't anymore because they can change their theology whenever they want. But uh, <laughs> that's why they're not true. So my point is, is <laughs> my point is just to say, like, do we truly believe that all people are uh, that God desires all people to be saved? God desires and Mormons to be saved. That's right. He does. I was having out a of com- the cult of Mormonism. Oh, man, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, the Lord saved my mom out of the cult of Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm. So, and I, she went to a, she went to a Baptist church, side story, and this older man asked her, she went, like went into a Sunday school class 
And she said, like, I used to go to the Jove- I used to go to the Kingdom Hall, and he goes, We've been praying for you. What? This old man. I mean, obviously they just every week probably pray for the Kingdom Hall yeah. down the street and pray that God would deliver them. And then all of a sudden here's one of them in their small group and he's like, dude, we've been praying for you. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. We great, need, we great need example. old Baptist men praying for the Jehovah's Witnesses down <laughs> dude, the street. That's, dude, why didn't that yeah. make it into your sermon? Dude, that's <laughs> such a good <laughs> example. It's too long already. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so all kinds of people, and I think you're right in context, he's talking specifically about these people who you would not think would be Christians, you should be praying for, yeah. that they would see the truth of the gospel. Um, Which leads right into the next point, mm-hmm. right? That the, uh, the other reason is that we believe there is one God one way, so not mm-hmm. right, right. the universalism isn't there, but the pluralism is also not there. There's one God. We don't pray for... <laughs> They weren't, this old Baptist guy wasn't praying for your mom that she would become a better Jehovah's Witness because <laughs> right. because it's equally valuable and right. that's her truth. And so hopefully she can live the best Jehovah's Witness life possible. Yeah, right? God will accept that too. He was yeah. praying that there is one God with one mediator and that she would find that one way to mm. God. That's what he was praying right. for them, I'm assuming. Which is which and is true because the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is the God-man. They believe that he is a created being mm-hmm. and not 100% God, 100% man, right? So yeah. they, they don't have a mediator in the same way that obviously the gospel, the gospel <clears throat> communicates. Um, let me go back though real quick to that all kinds of people thing real quick. Yeah. Um, this is where it's important to like our theology guards us from reading the Bible wrongly. Hmm. And yet reading the Bible is what should lead us to a correct theology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Like our theology comes from the Bible. But when we come across like difficult verses that are like, wait a second, what is he saying here? Our theology should guard us from coming to a wrong interpretation. Um of, of that text. So our theology is this, we know that not everybody is going to go to heaven. Only those who put their faith and trust in Jesus are going to go to heaven. And we know that not everybody does that. The Bible is clear about that. So we know from reading this, that universal, he's not arguing for universalism. We know that from theology, which we get from the Bible. So then what is he saying? Now we have to come back and yeah. better inform ourselves. But anyway, it's, it's an interesting play that yeah. we're doing where we're like our theology guards us from reading the Bible wrong, but reading the Bible rightly leads us to a right theology. Yeah. And, and so those are all, those two things are always sort of working together. Yeah. The Bible interprets the Bible. Jesus says clearly, you know, wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way unto salvation and few mm-hmm. there are that find it. Find the narrow way. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. that alone, Jesus is teaching about the nature of, in, you know, right. re, uh, salvation right. should lead us to say, okay, that doesn't quite. So you have to put those things together. For that's sure. A, yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, the whole book of Revelation <clears throat> is basically like this heavenly picture of there's people that are going to be in utter destruction. All kinds of people too all are kinds saved. Of people, and then all kinds of people who are saved. Right, right. right. And, and a massive amount of them. Um, but I don't know, which leads yeah, to... Yeah, even things. every tribe, tongue, nation, <clears throat> peoples. I mean, that kind of supports the idea of of that this is talking about diversity of, of the different types of people that are being saved, not the totality of humanity. Right. 
Anyway, we can go back anyway, to that. Yes. that there's, no, that's cool. there's one mediator, and it, it's Christ. Uh, which, which is not the Catholic Church. <laughs> no, well, I, I kind of threw this question in there. You didn't talk about this, and I don't think you had time. Uh-huh. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking this is often a text that we'll turn to. And that's what I'm saying about yeah. topicals. Yeah. Like it could have been, this sermon could have easily, or this text could have easily been used as just like a, let me go off on my hobby horse and just like show show how this is basically combating what the Catholic Church teaches. Totally. You know? I'm glad you didn't do that. Um, but at the same time, that, that is, this is a text <laughs> that is often used to right. highlight sort of the wrong, you know, doctrine. We'll say that they right. teach that the Virgin Mary, you can pray through or to uh, dead saints or the or Mary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then because they're closer to God, they can communicate our prayers to God. Right. Uh, I don't know. Did you think about even considering like mentioning? Like literally, or? that's so, it's funny you mentioned this because it's such an obvious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I never even thought about it until yeah. you brought it up here. I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. I, I probably could have mentioned a little bit more about like, this means you don't have to go through a priest or right. even a pastor. You can talk directly to God through Christ. Yep. I didn't even think about it because it wasn't like where I was going mentally with the context mm-hmm. here. Um, that's like a, a topic, you know, yeah, yeah. but a relevant one certainly for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I mean, I just think time-wise you had... Right. Your sermon was about a little less than 40 minutes, which is right. where we want to be. And if you had, you'd had to give the whole context about how, yeah, you know, the Catholic church teaches these sorts of things. And let me give you an explanation of that. That would have added, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know like where the Catholic church gets that. I'm assuming it's probably from James five, confess your sins <clears throat> to one yeah. another and pray for one another, yeah, calling, was... calling for the elders of the church. Right, that they may pray for you. They and basically you may be see healed. it as intercession, but the Bible talks about intercession between living saints with one another. They extend it to saints who have passed. So, in their yeah, but even if they go to a priest or a father at the, you know, they're they yeah. they sit in a confessional, yeah, and they confess, and then these people pray for them, assumingly in a mediating kind of way. It's just bizarre. I, yeah. Well, but also give them penance, which is like not biblical. It's just made up, right? Right. Like, don't they decide on the spot how much and of what? Go say seven Hail Marys and five Our Fathers. There's Uh a lot of extra stuff that got added. You know, I was thinking about the Catholic Church, though, for this next week, um, in the sense of like, we don't have the ability to just undermine what scripture teaches and Mm. say, well, I know what it says there, but I think this, you know, that's kind of what the Catholic church has done because they, they believe that the church, i.e. the Catholic church gives scripture its authority, not the other way around. Right. So it's like, you know, I know what the Bible says, but we, the church say this. And so, I mean, if you have that, then you can just start redefining biblical theology all day long. And I was thinking about it because next week we're going to get into like gender and leadership and stuff like that. And, you know, even a modern, they might not be a Catholic, but you'll run into an individual who will say, I know what the Bible says, but I say, or I think, or I'm persuaded to believe this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're, you're just basically acting like the Catholics just even worse on an individual level. 
not even like on a corporate level, you know? Right. Um, that was, that was all I, anyway, now I'm ranting. We could save that for next week. <laughs> <laughs> we are getting a little long. So maybe we end with his last point, which was that, uh, essentially you're making the argument that, that the reason he brings up his preaching is to highlight the fact that the prayer is what enables the preaching to do anything, right? Just like we didn't, weren't smarter or had some figured something out better than someone else figured out in order for us to come to a saving faith. Uh, Paul's preaching isn't just going to be heard by people who happen to be smart enough to comprehend it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be heard and truly believed by people who the spirit has enabled them to believe and understand it. So prayer right. is the most logical thing to do for someone who has a preaching ministry. Well, not just for him, but like I, so where he says the word Gentiles there, um, uh, like he was sent to the Gentiles, you could almost just replace that word Gentiles with the word all. Like, <laughs> cause that's essentially what he's saying. Like I was appointed a preacher and teacher, um, of all <laughs> in faith and truth, right? Like to the yeah. nations, like that's the, that's the connection, the literary connection with Gentiles and all of these other things. Um, so he's, he's like, listen, I I was called by God to go bring the gospel to all people. So my ministry is evidence of the fact that God is bringing the gospel to all people. Mm -hmm. And so you need to pray toward those ends. And that's why I made the Colossians reference, because I thought that was a little bit more clear. Remember how he, he asked, um, for prayer, for an open door. Oh, yeah, word. yeah, yeah. And um, that he'd be bold, right? Is bold. that Colossians one? Yeah, that he would be bold as he did it. Yeah. And 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 clear mm-hmm. in, in his gospel presentation. Mm, yeah. And so I I thought that was a really helpful, like, because this was sort of like, well, what is he saying here? You know, it was a little bit more like nebulous, but I thought that Colossians. But he is telling the truth. Clear. He's not lying. He's not lying. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that, that, at the very, I mean, I just took that to, I think that lends to the idea that this was a letter probably intended to be shared, right? It's a personal yeah. letter to Timothy, but Timothy already has come to the conclusion that, that, Paul, yeah. that Paul's legit, right? right? He's already been walking around with him, learning from him, journeying with him. Uh, so obviously, Paul knows Timothy doesn't need convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably this is a letter that was always intended to be shared. Yeah. 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 And you got uh, and also but also Paul, I mean it might not be readily apparent to some people that Paul is an apostle because he wasn't one of Jesus' original disciples. That's true. Yeah. You know, so it, there may be people who need that extra like, hey, seriously though, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, like Timothy, people were critical of his credentials. Yeah. And people would have been critical of Paul's credentials too. But yeah, for sure. Cool. Anyway, good talk. Good talk. Cool. Well, let's do this then. Volunteer of the week. The volunteer of the week this week is Trudy Peters. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Trudy, she jumped in last minute to help with one of the greeting positions this week. But she always does that. She she greets all the time. So whatever. So no, who cares? I'm just kidding. No, you guys see Trudy, and it's always awesome uh, to yeah. have her greet you because she's such a warm, happy personality, mm-hmm. like very welcoming. Uh, so we appreciate that. But we wanted to highlight 
uh, that she does the care of all of our flowers that are out front. So especially right now where they're looking so beautiful, yep. uh, probably if you know her, you maybe don't know that she does that because she's pretty quiet about it. And so it's fun to highlight someone who volunteers to do something that they wouldn't necessarily get recognition for. Yeah, she comes for. during the week wearing a big old hat to cover her from the sun. She takes care of all those flowers in the flower bed and... She always, you know, is texting me and making sure that the uh, the sprinklers are going off at the right time yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so one's she, broken right now, and they so. look really nice, man. Our our um, all those flowers and grass that's there mm. looks really nice now. It's finally like you know full, fully mm. grown. Like when we first did the landscaping, they, they were so small because they were growing. And she's really done a lot to add new things and take care yeah. of it. So. Also, she's she's very consistent in our prayer meetings. Right, mm. she is seriously the prayer backbone in a lot of ways of our sure. church yep. and many others as well. But um, she's very dedicated to that. Yeah. Does she personally. still host some people at her house she for does that. A Bible study she has a too? Bible study yeah, there for ladies, she's here for our life groups. She doesn't lead, but she participates there. She does a million things, Dang. you know, so. She's an onion, dude. <clears throat> we started talking about it and just other, all these random other thoughts came to mind. I know. So, t- <laughs> I, after, after my sermon, she was like, because I said a little thing at the end, like, hey, pray for us, you know, those who are preaching mm-hmm. and blah, blah. And she mentioned to me at the end, she's like, I'm always praying for you guys. And, you know, some people say that. <laughs> well, well, Dr. Morgan actually said that my old professor um, in one of his like leadership tru- truisms, he was like, some people pray for you. Uh, you should be thankful for them. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and not not everybody does. And I know Trudy does. Yeah. yeah. And I know that God hears her prayers and answers them. <laughs> she's closer to. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, she's got a. She's got. A, she's got them on speed dial. She does, man. <laughs> and every Sunday morning when she gathers with us for the prayer meeting, she she consistently prays for the pastors and the elders and leaders and. Appreciate that. Yeah, we need it. She's awesome. Yeah. Yep. So tell her how much you appreciate her and congratulate her on being the volunteer of the week. It's time for Bible trivia right now. Okay. We're talking about the Ephesian, <laughs> <laughs> the city of Ephesus. So let's talk about cities, great and small. Oh. What city was Paul's hometown? Oh, wow. This is like so I know it. I know it. Would it be, is it the same place he oversees Stevens? Oh, come on. You know this, Aaron. Starts with a T. Tarsus. Tarsus. All of Tarsus. Are you serious? Wrong How did you not know that it is Tarsus? I was like, why is this like so easy and yet it's not coming to my mind? All of Tarsus. These are crazy. To what city in Macedonia did Paul send at least two letters? Macedonia? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, well, it's obviously you know it's the epistles. Be, it's got to be, it's gotta be first Corinthians. First and second Corinthians or first and second Thessalonians. I'm going to say Thessalonica. I think it is Thessalonica. I'd ra- I, think I mean, I don't it. know which one of those is in Macedonia. Thessalonica it is. Wow. Cody got it right. I got that one. Aaron got it wrong. I just, <laughs> I just guessed the one he didn't guess just um, on the chance I'd win. <laughs> winning this, okay what city a seaport on the western coast of asia minor because that helps everyone was this wait wait the which uh which side of asia minor 
<laughs> the Western Coast. Oh, Western Coast. Okay. Yes, Ephesus yes. was the second of the seven churches mentioned by John. In oh, Revelation. in Revelation, the second one was it Ephesus? Okay, Ephesians, Ephesus. I don't think it is Ephesus. Oh, I know, I know one. that it was. I know that Ephesus was a seaport, and it was in Asia Minor. Okay, what's the one that like? Uh, I think I looked, I think I know. Like they started out well, but now they're not even uh, a church, really. The, you know what I'm talking about? Not Philadelphia. Is it Philadelphia that is that? Uh, I, don't, I know. don't know. I don't know it. What is it? It is Smyrna. Smyrna. <sighs> Classic. You gotta give us the want, want. Classic Smyrna. Anyways, those are some Good cities. Job. We'll look at more cities later. Uh, right? if, you're listening, if you're listening to this before this weekend, come to the last men's huddle. Yes. Well, if you're a man. If you're a man. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.